0: And national sports topics of the day. It's The Sports Fan, presented by JK Contracting. Ready? Now, from the WATH studios, here's Joey Mador.
1: Boom! Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is 97.1 WTH, The Sports Fan, presented by JK Contracting. And I am Ross Chris. I implore you. Not to turn off that dial, as Joey Medor is alive and well. <laughs> we're playing some musical chairs here in this studio, and we have a lot coming up for you in the next hour. The Cincinnati Reds dropped another game last night, losing to the San Diego Padres 4-1 at Petco Park, officially making them the worst team in Major League Baseball. What is going on with the Big Red Machine? We will be touching on that. And then at 6.30, we're off to the Hawking Hills as the Hawking Hills excuse me, Hawking College Offensive Coordinator Craig Moore will be on the show to enlighten us a little bit about the Hawks football program. And then finally, we wrap up with rumors coming out of South Beach that Mr. Tom Brady was and is or interested in owning the Miami Dolphins. This is the sports fan presented by j Contracting. And as promised listeners, in good health, I present to you Mr. Joey Medora. How are you,
2: good Squire? I'm doing well, Ross. Glad, glad you really stepped into the captain's chair and brought the juice to open up the show. Great to see anybody. No, he did not tie me up in the back and, and just uh, took over the airways. But again, a great intro and a lot to talk about on the show today. We were talking about this a couple minutes ago. This is weird. I haven't been in this chair in ah, a little over six months now, whenever Connor left. So, uh, I'm enjoying, though, sitting back, staring at uh, your backwards hat, looking here, and watching you run things. Thank you very much.
1: First time for everything. Thanks for uh, giving me the driver's seat. We'll put you back in the driver's seat later in the week. And a man who keeps his eye on everything sports in the state of Ohio, Mr. Andrew Allison. How you doing, big man?
3: Well, I'm doing pretty well. I'm, I'm sure Joey's just happy to be sitting back beside me
2: again. We got kind of pushed back in the studio, back to our normal spots, it feels like. This is the original. It used to be Connor in Ross's seat. Yeah. And then me and Andrew sit next to each other back here. So, yeah, going back to some old school stuff. Well,
1: I really do appreciate, gentlemen. Thanks for um, welcoming me with open arms when I arrived from Dubai. I'm happy to be in the Absolutely. studio. Happy to be with you on your airwaves in southeastern Ohio. Gentlemen, I want to start with those Reds. Last night, the Manny Machado town lit them up, putting on a clinic. Let's have... A quick listen.
4: High drive, deep left field. Off the bat of Manny Machado. It goes. Two run shot for Manny Machado. His second home run of the year. And the Padres take a 2-1 lead in the first. Talk about putting the pressure on after the one spot in the top. How about two with nobody out in the bottom half? Manny Machado. Gets it middle. Don't throw it there. That's the hot zone. And Manny is too hot for the hot zone. Wow. On the ground, up the middle. Near the center field, a base hit for Manny Machado. His second hit of the game. Remember we mentioned earlier how Manny Machado, when he makes contact, he squares it up.
0: To left field. Back goes fam, and he leaps, can't get it.
4: The wall, the ricochet to Fraley. And to second base, a double for Manny Machado. It opened up the bottom of the seventh inning. I mentioned earlier the home run, the launch angle 18. Here's a slider down and in. This should not surprise you. Fam takes a stab at it, can't come up with it. And it's a double
1: for Manny Machado. There you have it. Manny Machado lighting up the Cincinnati Reds last night out in San Diego, going three for four, had an excellent game for himself.
2: Gentlemen, are the Reds really this bad? It's looking like it, isn't it? Well, the, the good news, Ross, is they finally got a lead. They hit a home run in the top of the first for the first time. And since uh, the Sunday prior, uh, the Reds were on top for a half inning. But then, like we just heard, Machado hits a bomb to left field. Uh it's always crazy watching Manny Machado play because I remember when he first got called up uh, for the Orioles. I think he was 19, and uh, I think I was around, I don't know, 11 or 12 at the time. So watching him still 10 years later, tear the cover off the ball. He had a big night last night, um, but they just can't seem to put anything together, right, Ross? I mean, they never string hits together. They're really reeling on offense. He had six hits last night. Uh, three of them coming from Tommy Pham, who, to his credit, in his first game against a team that traded him just a few weeks ago, he had a home run in the top of the first, had a couple more hits. So he lived up to the billing. But the Padres at PETCO, you know, they're a hitting team. It's a hitter's ballpark, and they did just enough to get the job done. And the Reds just continue to look like they have no direction. They should have just stopped playing after the first top of the first. Should have just walked off, said, Nope, we're done. We're done.
3: We're out of here. game stopped.
1: That top of the first when Pham actually had a nice little dinger there, yeah, and he, his, his bat came alive. If you're if you're a Cincinnati Reds fan, are you hoping to build off of that, or is is all hope lost?
2: You know, Pham, uh, he's always been a good power hitter. You know, 98 career home runs coming into this year, only been in the big leagues for a few seasons, and he always benefited, I think, a good bit from Petco Park being such a hitter's ballpark at the time he got to the Padres, but he had a good run with the Rays um a year prior to that too but he's a home run threat he's a guy who if he can get it going you know he can hit 20 25 dingers in a season I mean great American ballpark isn't exactly a a a pitcher's best dream either so um he's very capable but he seems to be the only kind of light in the order right now again he went three for four yesterday but he's only batting 133 on the season and outside of that I mean Tyler Stevenson as your catcher, batting 267, he'll definitely take that. But there's nobody else in this order who, who has come in ready to go. Obviously, Jonathan India, the table setter, you know, NL Rookie of the Year last year. He's out. He's obviously a guy who gets on base a lot, but they just don't have that right now. You have so many guys. Aristides Aquino strikes out every other time he steps up to the plate. And nobody else just gets it going. Joey Votto works some good at-bats, but he a, he's out having a tough start to the year as well. It's just 105 on the season, you look top, you look to the top to the bottom of this order. It is it's so lackluster, Ross, and it makes you wonder how in the world could you think that you can't return three of your best hitters from the lineup last year in Castellanos and Winker and Suarez, who they sent off to Seattle, and expect them to fill in those spots so easily? I don't know. It's just weird. I think Tommy Pham's a little bit of a band aid. Uh, he could play. Okay, in the outfield, he's, he's really more of a guy you'd like to use it at a DH. But right now, I mean, scoring one run a game, it's obviously gonna make it really tough. And you know, they got a really young pitching staff right now, and you know, some guys trying to figure some things out. So it's I think it could get a lot worse before it gets better. Because if you look at the Reds, you know, upcoming schedule, especially in the month of May, I mean, it, it kind of turns into a murderer's row.
1: Did uh, Nick Lodolo show you anything last night? Second career big league
2: start for him. I mean, he battled, you know, he had the tough first inning, gave up the home run, obviously, but he still in the books, was a quality start, pitched five innings, only gave up three runs, you know, it was obviously more encouraging than his first outing, and, you know, kind of like Hunter Green, he's not quite topping above 100 as much, but he's got a pretty live arm, Um, but, you know, still not the consistency you want, and it's kind of tough, Ross, because it feels like when good pitchers come up, they're really good to start off, right, and then... The lull kind of comes in the middle. Once good hitters have seen them two or three times, they see they have kind of a scouting report. They get the tendencies that they all have, um, and that's when they kind of, you know, go into their lulls. To see him kind of as figured out as he is this early on. I mean, again, he looked okay. Had eight strikeouts, so that, that's encouraging. But still, six hits, gave up three runs, a couple walks. It's it's something to build off of. Uh, it's just unfortunate for him right now because giving up three runs shouldn't mean you're dead. As a as a pitcher in a start, but with how the Reds are hitting right now, that that's the uh, the unfortunate reality. With that being
3: said, is one and a half too much or too little? I guess I should say for tonight's game. You think Padres should be favored by more? No, nah, you're never gonna get a baseball line more than one and a half. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> that's that's, that's like, just how it goes. That's but, like when they set the uh, football lines at like eight or nine. That's that's the highest they're gonna go unless it's an absolute.
2: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, baseball, you know, betting-wise, you're never going to get – you know, they're, they're trying to get – they're trying to entice people, right? So when a good team plays a bad team, you see minus one and a half, you're like, oh, yeah, they could beat them by two or more runs easily. But when you start going up more and more runs, it's like, yeah, now you're trying to figure out. I mean, if, if the Reds do all of a sudden have a hot-hitting night and you bet the – if you were to bet the Padres like minus three or something – it's tough. I mean, you get really good juice on, on good teams, minus one and a half, usually in baseball. Baseball's tough. I think a lot of people don't realize how close a lot of baseball games really are throughout the season. There's a lot of one-run baseball games. So when you bet on a team minus one and a you, you got to really like, really like the pitching matchup or just think that one team's going to bomb the other pitcher or something like that. But, yeah, I mean, I'd probably bet the Padres if I was going to minus one and a half. Probably get some decent juice, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Who, who's, who's on the bump tonight?
3: It's uh, San Martín is for the Reds, and yeah. it's Musgrove for the Padres.
2: Ooh. Joe Musgrove, Joey Musgrove, threw a uh, through a no hitter last year.
1: Yeah, former Bucco.
2: Yep, that's right. He
1: was he was the number two arm that year.
2: Yep, he's one and zero, one four two ERA. Uh, San Martín did not have a great start to the season. He has pitched in two outings. He he had a start. In his first game against the Braves, got rocked around a little bit. Then he pitched last week against the Guardians, actually, and pitched five shutout innings. Really encouraging, kind of weathered the storm, uh, gave the Reds a chance to win, and then the bullpen on the back end ended up giving it up. So he gets his second start of the year. He's a younger lefty, another guy who is fighting for his major league life right now. I mean, you know, the Reds are going to put him in there to try to eat up innings before they get other guys in there. So with that, creates... An opportunity. If you can go out there, pitch consistently for five, six innings at the starter. You can either, you know, stick on with the Reds for another contract, or someone will sign you a free agency. But that's kind of where some of these guys with the Reds are right now. They're going to get the opportunities to throw a lot of innings, but they got to be able to capitalize on it.
1: There you have it. Looking elsewhere around the league right now. It's the bottom of the ninth. Nail biter in the big apple. The Mets are taking on the Giants. That one is tied four to four. Uh, who do we got batting? Janowski, Jankowski up to bat with two on, second and third. How many Man, out? We got one out. Ooh, so this is a fly this ball. is a nail-biter. We'll give you the scores O-two as count, that though. one comes back into the studio. Some other scores from around the league. The Nationals won 6-1 to one over the Diamondbacks. And, Andrew, is this two games in a row now? The other team in the in Ohio, it has been postponed because of inclement weather. The White Sox and Guardians postponed today because of
2: yeah. I believe it's back-to-back days, or at least back-to-back yep. games. Yeah, it was it was canceled yesterday as well. Yeah.
1: Oh my goodness.
3: Well. Well, they did walk- have uh, they had snow up there today.
1: They had snow and this then- morning. If you're up at 7 a.m. like some of us.
3: I was not. Not me. No. no. But uh, it's
2: supposed to be. You're a working man, Ross. You you got to be up before us. <laughs> yeah, someone needs to run this show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Elsewhere, looking around the league tonight, we got some big games coming up. Here, uh, the Yankees are heading to Detroit to take on the Tigers. First pitch will be at six forty. The Cardinals taking on the Marlins in South Beach. That'll be at six forty. The Nationals play host to the Diamondbacks. That'll be at seven oh five. The Red Sox take on the Blue Jays. You know that those two teams are. That's a tasty matchup right mm-hmm. there. Seven ten. Fenway Park, Toronto has a great squad this year, don't they? Yeah. Coming in at six and four, but th- there are a lot of a lot of people picking them to come out of
2: Canada. and Who knows, possibly win it all. It is. They have kind of been the sexy pick this year, and I, I don't like that because I was on the train, and I hate when everybody starts agreeing with me. Then I start to get a little nervous. But um, <laughs> but yeah, they're a really good team. Had a really good lineup. Obviously, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Great to see him. Obviously, playing up in Canada like his. Father did early in his career with the Expos, but he's lighting it up this year. Red Sox—they're a team where I'm not completely sold on, but with the A.L. East this year, whatever any of the teams are not playing the Orioles, it's going to be a great matchup. Um, although the Orioles did take two or three from the Yankees, who are trying to discover themselves early on, and you know it—it's it, tough for New York right now. It, Aaron Boone—he's really. I'm surprised the leash has been this long on him with the lack of playoff success, with the, the amount of wins they've had some of these seasons. I mean, heck, they lost in the wild card game to the Red Sox last year. They're having some early struggles. I wonder, I don't know if, if Cashman makes a move so rash to fire a midseason, but you got to think if the Yankees don't make a deep playoff run this year, it's going to be the end of the road for, for Aaron Boone as they are 5-5 five and five currently on the season. Yeah, it's going to be, honestly, I'm surprised he was still there. To begin yeah, with. I thought I, I definitely thought yeah, I definitely thought last year losing the Red Sox was gonna be the kind of the, the nail in the coffin, but Yeah, I, I
3: thought he was I there's just no way that I think he stays through this season, but granted I said that towards the end of last season. So Yankees
2: are a weird team because they got rid of hitting in turn and tried to get I, I would say more athletic in defense. Uh they signed the guy from the twins to play shortstop, obviously traded away. Gary Sanchez behind the dish. Um, who's obviously a big bat in the order and one of their mm-hmm. you know biggest prospects is a few years ago. And obviously he was a great behind the dish as well, but now he's in Minnesota. It, it's interesting. Uh, they have a good rotation. Garrett Cole, post, he's recovered off of using all the sticky stuff and seemed to find himself again. Um they have, <laughs> <laughs> they have uh, Severino back, who, who he's been pitching well early. I think they have the arms, they had the best ERA in baseball last year, but the lineup's been lacking. I mean, I, I watched them play the Orioles all three games, and they got shut out of one of them and scored one run in the other. The Orioles aren't exactly the, uh, you know, the best rotation out there this season to see them struggle, but it's early. Everybody struggles with the bats sometimes, especially early on in the season, limited spring training as well. These guys didn't get as many at bats as they would same for pitchers. And that's why I think you've seen some of these teams early on who you wouldn't expect, like the pirates being five and five, who would have thought that
1: that is, that is quite exciting. Isn't it? If you're a Pittsburgh fan right now, because you just absolutely thought coming into this season after what they did in the off season, much like the Cincinnati reds, mm. just kind of, getting rid of everything. Um, however, sitting at 5-5, five five, 10 games into the season, I think you'll take that. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, They're taking on Milwaukee tonight. First pitch in that one will be at 740. Pirates putting J.D. Brudebaker up on the mound. He's going to be looking for his first win. If you head to American Family Field in Milwaukee, Wisconsin tonight, you can still get a ticket for this Major League Baseball game for $3, gentlemen. Woo! $3. Oh,
2: let's hop on the jet.
1: That is that is something else right there. The Mets hosting the Giants at seven forty tonight. Logan Webb trying to go two and zero, but he's going against their big prized pitcher, Max Scherzer, who's looking for his third win on the season in their eleventh game. That's 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 exciting if you're a Mets fan right there.
2: Oh yeah. Great start. And this is uh, you know, their point of doubleheader day. That's the uh the Mets didn't end up scoring a run in the bottom of the no. in the tenth inning. But Kind of a, a, a matchup of two teams that could win their division early on. And another matchup to highlight later on in the night is 10-10. It's a little late, but if you're looking for some late-night baseball, you can see the two teams that have met in the NLCS the past two seasons. Kind of a little rivalry brewing mm. between the Dodgers and the defending champion, the Atlanta Braves, as that first pitch 10-10. Max Freed versus Walker Bueller. Two great pitchers should be a great matchup, although Max Freed has struggled early on this year. 0-2 with a 5-7-3 ERA. Well, he, everyone's going to be up at 10-10 anyway because the Reds start at 9-40. Yeah.
3: You're right. Good point.
1: Are we Team Are we team Acuna or are we Team Freeman in this broadcast booth? Because <laughs> that, that's the real matchup that so. people want to talk about. Acuna coming out and saying, well, he, he, he kind of bullied him as a as a rookie in the locker room, but then... He said, no, I, did, I didn't say that, six, even though it was completely recorded. So,
2: <laughs> Yeah, he kind of went the other way on that one, didn't he? It's a shame he's not playing in this series. It would have been great to kind of see that storyline take off a bit. But, I mean, Acuna is one of the most exciting players in baseball. It's a better game when he's playing. Truly, um, Freddie Freeman, he's a great player as well. Having a great start to the season this year. Um, and definitely like an older school baseball guy, so it, it wouldn't shock you if, you know, he was kind of – into the whole, you know, you got to prove yourself up here, kid, type of thing. Um, but he's off to great start, 325 with the bat, as the transition out to L.A. has uh, not been hard on him at all. So,
1: And looking around the league at some of the stat leaders, let's head up to your Cleveland Guardians, Andrew Allison. Jose Ramirez leading the league, 15 ribbies. Got to be happy with how he's playing.
3: Absolutely. There's sometimes when someone signs a big extension or, They get traded and they have the big contract. You kind of wonder, is the pressure going to get to him? I think we saw that when uh, with Lindor last year when he was with the Mets. And then, uh, who's the guy they brought in for Toronto? He acted like he flew the parrot every time he hit a home run.
2: Oh, Encarnacion.
3: Edwin Encarnacion, yeah, Yeah, that's it. I knew it was EE, but I couldn't remember what exactly it was. He didn't do too well his first year. Good to see that Jose is not really letting the pressure get to him. He's he's just out there having fun being himself. And yeah, pretty happy with that. And I think that Quan also leads the league in doubles, if that is correct. I think he has 7, which I mean, I, I don't think he
2: played. He might not anymore since he haven't played the last two games, but Yeah. I think it's always a little different when you're going to a new team and get the big contract because there's a there's a I have to prove myself in this new area with this new team aspect. But I think what you sign with that That same team, I mean, Jose's obviously made it clear he loves uh, living in Cleveland. Took a pay cut to stay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, he could have went and made however much he wanted. He's a great baseball player. But I think, uh, you know, being able to stay at home where where he was brought up, where uh, he's obviously excelled, obviously a part of some of the Cleveland teams that made deep playoff runs, I think it takes a little bit of burden off the shoulders not having to pick up and move somewhere else.
1: Well, there you have it. It's 97. one WATH. We are having a great time here in the studio, and we're going to take a short commercial break, but then we're going to come back with a man who knows a little bit about football here in southeastern Ohio. He is the offensive coordinator for the Hawking College Hawks. We will have Mr. Craig Moore on the show when we come
0: back after the break. At Ohio Health, you can see your doctor here, there,
3: or anywhere. Whether it's in person,
0: Hi there,
1: how are you feeling
3: today?
0: Or at home, Hi there, how are you doing? At one of our 200 plus care sites across the state.
4: All right, let's take a look.
0: Or on your tablet, smartphone, or computer.
4: So when did this problem start?
0: You'll feel good knowing Ohio Health provides the finest care anywhere. Schedule care today at ohiohealth.com/finestcare. Athens County cares about you. I'm Micah. Join me Tuesdays and Fridays at 10.06 on Classic Hits 970 AM and 971 FM, WATH for discussions about essential information for seniors, such as nutrition, caregiving, mental health, Medicare, and all other relevant topics for seniors in Athens County and the surrounding areas. Athens County Cares, a project of United Seniors of Athens County, Tuesdays and Fridays at 10.06 a.m. on WATH. What does the 50th anniversary of Title IX mean? It
3: means I'm valued, I'm empowered, I can do anything. It means I'll pave the way for every girl who plays high school sports in the future. Just like every female student, coach, official, and administrator blaze the trail for me. Because every student deserves the opportunity to play. Encourage girls you know to participate in Ohio high school sports.
0: This message presented by the OHSAA and the Ohio Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. Now, for more of the sports fan on 970-WATH.
1: Tune there. Haven't heard that one in a very, very long time. Taking me back to the high school days. Thank you for tuning in. It's 97.1 WATH, the sports fan presented by j k Contracting. I want to turn our attention to college football because college football is being played here in southeastern Ohio by a team not named the Ohio Bobcats. And our next guest is a big reason why he is the offensive coordinator of the Hawking College Hawks football team, Mr. Craig Moore. Craig, welcome to Sports Fan.
4: Hey, thanks for having me, Ross. How's it going?
1: It's going good, buddy. Craig, you know, Craig, I already know a little bit about uh, about it, having worked with you. Um, However, enlighten our audience um, on the relatively new football program here at Hawking College. When did it get off the ground, and how did you guys do last season?
4: A little background about high college football. We got it all started in our department. The department uh, started in 2015. Um, fall of 2015, um, and actually we had a guest a from the, an official yes from the president and the board in April 2015. So we we're able to recruit and put together a team that year, um, and we've been have had nothing but growth um, since then. Um, we've had. Um, Right now, our team is primarily made up of Ohio student-athletes. Um, about 85% of our roster is from this, uh, the great football state of Ohio. <clears throat> but over the years, we've had uh, student-athletes come all across the country, and we currently have um, two international students on our roster, and we've had up to four total, I believe, just in the football program itself. Uh, last year, we were 5-5. Five and five. Um, two close games against some opponents, uh, two opponents uh, being uh, College of DuPage out of Chicago and um, Nassau, uh, two really close all the games there where those two ended up competing for the national championship later right down the line.
1: And Craig, t- tell us a bit, what's the biggest difference between maybe Ohio Bobcats football or Division One football to the JUCO
4: level? Uh, For us, uh, it's obviously the type of student athletes we get off the back. We're allowed uh, at Hawking College, and just like most two-year institutions, we have open enrollment, open enrollment. So uh, a lot of our student athletes uh, may come in uh, with not so great grades, um, but um, that's never really the bulk of our team. We always have a good mix of uh, qualifiers, uh, non-qualifiers, and partial qualifiers, and if you guys are familiar with... the NCAA, uh, Clearinghouse, that's, you know, you're, you're, you're good student-athletes, you're not-so-high student-athletes and everything in between. So, um, so when you look at a, a – physically, you look at a team, uh, a junior college team and a four-year institution team, what you notice uh, right off the back is this, the big bodies, the difference in size of the big bodies, so the D-line, O-line, tight end, um they 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 definitely look like men at the four-year institution. For us, we have some some guys, um, some some ballers that look like men. But that's the biggest uh, size difference there. Your uh, position, um, we, we, our guys look the part always at the junior college level. They look the part, and a lot of the guys uh, by the time they send you their sophomore year, they play the part, which is why you have the four-year institutions, uh, you know, contacting us looking for. Uh, and they're ready student-athletes.
2: Coach Moore, appreciate you joining us on the program today. And a question I kind of have for you when, you, when you have to start a program from scratch, right, what, what's the hardest part about getting new kids at a new program that's just starting to really buy in from the beginning?
4: Uh, the hardest hurdles we had, and I have to say we, uh, I have to give a lot of credit to Al Matthews. This is his idea. He was our first and original uh, head football coach. Um, him and Dr. Young got it off the ground. The hardest part was, one, getting the name out there. Um, Hacking College is known here in the, in the region and the state pretty well. There are a lot of uh, uh, solid alumni out there, especially through National Resources our natural Resources Program. But um, getting the name out there uh, uh, and letting them know that we have athletics. So what we did when we were recruiting, we made sure everything that we had on said Hocking College on it, not just Hawks or just Hacking. Hacking College Athletics. Um, to help get that name out there. And uh, those first two years, any coach that went out recruiting for their particular sport always recruited for the other sports that were active uh, on campus there. Um, the other part of it is, is educating people on the two-year process, why students would take a uh, take the two-year route, and what it's like transferring out of a two-year institution to a four-year institution, if that's the path that the student athlete chooses to take. Um, as far as having finding the talent, Again, um, I'm, I was born and raised in Indianapolis. Uh, I, I'll come from a basketball state through and through. Uh, but Ohio, is hands down, I think, you know, one of the best football states in the, in the country, and that's one of the best football state in the Midwest. So finding talent was never a problem for us. You talked about
3: how the Ohio connections and all those players. How, how did you end up finding the international players? You said you had two on the team now, four in the program total in the history. How, how do you find
4: those guys? So they found us. That's the honest answer. And that's the honest part of half our recruitment, these, these student-athletes find us. Um, when you look at the student, when you look at the, the makeup of junior college football in the Midwest, it consists of three teams pretty much, uh, really four. Um, ourselves, um, College of DuPage in Chicago, uh, Lackawanna, which is in eastern Pennsylvania about you know, nine hours from us, and uh, Erie Community College up in Buffalo. So when you look at Ohio itself, we're only surrounded by, you know, of the five states, one of the states has football uh, at the junior college level. So you're, you're, you're talking about a great football state itself, and then all, almost all of the surrounding states, four of the surrounding states, Indiana, Kentucky, um, West Virginia, and Michigan, that don't have two-year options for football. So these student-athletes are typically going to the Jayhawk Conference, which is... Um, you know, the Iowa schools, or in the Kansas schools, or, or as far out to Mississippi or even California to find a junior college opportunity with established programs that um, that are known to get student-athletes um, in and out into the opportunities that they want.
1: Craig, I'm a massive, massive fan of the Netflix, Netflix show Last Chance. You um, had some great great seasons on there they were down in mississippi you just mentioned that they were up in kansas they had some good characters on the show some great athletes some great support staff on there i gotta ask how much of that show uh, kind of resonates in the hawking program or is that basically all hollywood for the cameras
4: i think uh first off let me say this those are some awesome coaches when you talk about buddy ryan himself himself over at uh East Mississippians, and even some of the basketball coaches that have been uh, highlighted on those Netflix uh, specials with Last Chance U, but um, I have to say a lot of that is for show. Um, I think they probably skipped through some of the scenes where they were a little more forceful with discipline and, um, you know, corrected some of those behaviors um, as they dealt with some of those characters. Because, you know, at first glance, uh, you know, it's 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 pretty entertaining because most kids get away with. Uh, a lot more than what you would think at a four-year institution in terms of what they say and do, um, but um, you know I don't think that's a full representation uh, from a discipline standpoint of what the junior college football outlook is. Um, I, I know for us, even in our early days in 2015 and 16, um, a, a lot of that we wouldn't have put up with, and most of these junior colleges aren't short on numbers. So you know they may be short on talent, but you know as you prep these student-athletes for the next level, um, I, w- I would assume that most um, head coaches would, you know, make those corrections and not deal with some of the, some of the antics, some of the student-athletes um, displayed during that show. Uh, but it's, uh, it's pretty accurate with the talent, though. Uh, the talent level that, th- that you saw is pretty accurate. Um, the opportunities those young men get uh, when they complete those programs, um, and, and being able to move on to uh, to four institutions is pretty accurate. Um, but I have to say, a lot of it probably was a little glammed up for uh, the Netflix special itself. Um, I, I don't. I, I know for us as institution of Hocking College, it would be really hard to host, last uh, since you on our campus and, and be able to run the program the way you want to with that type of distraction. But. Um, but I, I have a lot of respect for, you know, both coaches and that, that show. It definitely um, did put junior college football on the map there.
2: Coach, you guys went 5-5 five and five last season, probably the best year you've had since, since creating the team a few years ago. Uh, what, is there going to be another step forward this year, you think, or what can we expect from the Hawks for this upcoming season?
4: Absolutely. Now, I say 5-5, five five, five, um, five five. Um, we're not allowed, I'm to have to look into it last week, we're not allowed to have a... Uh, but two of those will cancel games mm-hmm. um, and in most categories and most years or even at the four year level there will would probably be four or six on paper of teams not being able to you know make a trip up to us for whatever reason but uh moving forward we we totally expect uh you know to have a better season um we, we expect to have uh the success still going in a positive way and the growth that we want there um I think anything short of us competing for. Um, and having our name and postseason play and mentioned in the national championship uh, realm, uh, I, think that would be, uh, that, I think that would be a disappointment if you don't hear our name mentioned there. Uh, the team that we lost to twice, College of DuPage, uh, we lost the first time by three, the second time by six, and then won the national championship for us. And uh, those of you who don't know how the format is broken down now with the NJCA, our governing body, the National Junior College Athletic Association, we have uh, Division One and Division Two. Uh, Division One is made up of the fully scholarship schools and partial scholarship schools, and Division Two, the non scholarship realm is uh, made up of uh, the non you know the non scholarship schools. Uh, we're included in the non scholarship schools, so uh, we're we're expecting to come out and compete. We've had by far the most talented group of kids here last season. Uh, uh, a big credit to Coach Edgar, our head coach, who was able to come in and um, apply uh, his experience with the summer program. Our summer program was able to make our kids have the opportunity to graduate early in December, and we've had our biggest early uh, December graduating group, which was 35. We graduated in December, and of that 35, 22 of them had Division II or Division I scholarship offers. Coach, if if they go out and if someone, one of the
3: listeners, happens to go out and ends up watching you guys or listening into a broadcast, what are some individual names that they should look for?
4: Um, we've, we've got uh, a pretty awesome running back right now, two of them, honestly. Uh, Kevin Howard, he comes out of um, LaSalle High School out of Cincinnati, and we have a young man from Louisville, Kentucky, running back, Deshaun Hamilton. Uh, a wide receiver um, out of the Pittsburgh area. um like Chief Hodges Gimley, who should do uh, be back into the second season uh, and make a big impact there. Uh, we've got an awesome quarterback who's going to have to uh, compete for his job here this fall also from um, West Bloomfield High School in Michigan. He's a state champion up there. Uh, his name is uh, Alex Short. Uh, defensively, is a young man who made an immediate impact as a, a mid-year transfer. During off-season, we had a chance to uh, see him do a spring ball. Here, we had a great spring ball. His name is Robert Army. Uh, we're expecting things out of him at the rover position on defense, and uh, uh, we've got some we've got some work to do at d uh, D-line. But Sebastian Bachler, uh, our middle linebacker, he, he's uh, probably our most vocal leader we have on the entire team.
1: And Coach, one name returning for you on special teams is your kicker, Caden Cox, special needs kicker, who last year scored a couple points for you, made his way all the way to ESPN game day. What does Caden bring to this ball club?
4: Caden uh, Caden Cox and even his father, Kevin Cox, who's our special teams coordinator, helped bring a sense of family. Um, to our team. Um, at the junior college level, you have high turnover level. Right? You, you, we're introducing 50% of the team, 50% of your starters typically come from freshmen. So uh, we spend a good amount of time on team chemistry and bonding um, and making sure that you, you've got a, a pretty solid group together that wants to play for each other. And immediately, you know, when Caden speaks, or when they see Caden come in, and, and practice and run sprints with us and stretch with us and get through the entire practice and come out there and, and put some points up, it, it, it brings that entire group closer. So uh, a lot of our team chemistry is based around Caden, and, and uh, he's the start of uh, how did these young men learn to play for each other. Uh, he was 4 for 4 for his kicks last year. Uh, it was 100%. Um, and that says a lot also to the young man he, he shared time with, uh, our kicker from last year who's now over at Ohio Hall Dominican and, uh, and that, that entire special teams unit uh, is, is, they're pretty special they, uh, they, they help each other out they have a great relationship and uh, they help coach Caden up and Caden an inspiration to all of them uh, And speaking of an international player uh, our, one of our two international players that we have on the team right now is from Japan and he uh, should step into a role also to help with, uh, with kicking this, this fall also
2: Coach, obviously we air all the uh, the Athens Bulldogs games right here on 970 WATH, and and your son Joey was a heck of a player for them uh, in his junior and senior season, season at the quarterback position. And you know, obviously he's moved on to play college ball. How's he doing? And how's his college career going after the first year?
4: He's doing great. Joey's learning how to uh, be a freshman. Uh, uh, he had an awesome, awesome head coach there, and Coach White over Athens High School. Very grateful for what they were able to do for Joey and his experience there. Um, just like, you know, any freshman in college, I think a lot of those kids used to, uh, you know, being in the limelight, and then they turn over and and they have to learn how to be at the bottom of the totem pole. um you've learned, he's been taking that on and learning how to play as you know, a role player there as a freshman quarterback and and then supporting cast member there. So it's going good for him right now over at Lake Erie College, and uh, he's trying to figure out how he can fit in best and contribute to the team still.
1: All right, Coach, maybe our listeners want to come out and see a ball game in the fall. Where are you going to be playing? Also, maybe you're graduating college or you have a loved one graduating, I'm sorry, graduating high school, and you're not quite sure where you want to play uh, football next year. Maybe, you know, you want to throw your hat in the ring and uh, get on the Hawking College uh, Hawking Hawks football roster. What's the best way to kind of get in touch with you? And also, what if our listeners want to come out and see you play next year?
4: Absolutely. We have our – we're scheduled to have our upcoming season be played over at Nelsonville, York High School. Uh, Hopefully our facility will be done uh, in the middle of our season, actually. Hopefully it will be done there. Uh, But we'll be at Nelsonville High School. We'll play Saturdays. All of our games will be at 1 p.m. on Saturday. Um, And if we have any uh, potential student-athletes that are interested in learning anything about all of our – Athletic programs, you would get on our website, uh, mm-hmm. com and uh, put in a recruitment form uh, on our interest page there, um, the forms for athletes, and uh, you would submit a recruitment form, and a recruitment form would get sent directly to the head coaches, and you know, your film, uh, if you have any, will be evaluated by the head coaches, and uh, and then uh, possibly be contacted for a tryout.
1: Well, he's a man of many titles. He's the assistant athletic director, the assistant football head coach, the offensive coordinator, the Q- QB coach at the Hawking College Hawks. If you want to follow him on Twitter, he's at Coach C Moore 3. Mr. Craig Moore, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show, big man. We're going to have you back again once you guys kick things off in the fall
4: that would be awesome thank you so much for having me and thanks thanks for letting me come out and talk about our program appreciate what you guys are doing for the area and our school
1: thank you so much craig there you have it craig moore good guest there gentlemen letting us know a little bit about the juco scene out here Did it will light a fire up under you you think you know when you come back for homecoming gentlemen that you might mention 10 minutes up the road
2: yeah absolutely um it's always great. Juco is, you know, you get to see a lot of guys working really hard to try to get to the next level, and I think that's what's so, uh, so great about it to catch sometimes. I actually got to broadcast a couple games a few years ago uh, for Nelsonville TV, and obviously that was still in the first two, three, four seasons of and of College football, and there were some rough ones. Uh, you know, they, they took a couple on the chins when I was out there watching them, but it was great to see them. Have a 500 season last year, play a lot of really tight games, and as Coach said, looking to continue to build the program more and more in the future, and that'd be great, just something else for some for people out here to go watch over at uh, Boston Field in Bookdale, where Nelsonville, York High School is. Yeah, and
3: I believe one of those players was now about to be drafted, right, Joey? One of the uh, opposing players that you saw.
2: Yeah, for lack of one is Jaquan Brisker. He uh, ended up playing for Penn State. He'll probably be a, a high draft pick this year, but... Yeah, that was a tough day to be, uh, if you were a Hawks fan. I think it was like 70 to 6. Probably one coach Moore doesn't like to talk about too much. But, um, you know, again, great to see what they're doing with the program up there. And, you know, they just could keep adding sports, right, Ross? They're up to how many different teams now? They're about 10 teams right now. The yeah.
1: basketball team went on a 20 win uh, run right there throughout the season. They made some noise. Um, So hats off to Craig. He works in the athletic department as well. They've been doing some good things right now, of course, with esports and archery as well. They have volleyball, uh, women's basketball, baseball, and softball. So it'll be exciting to see where that program program grows. That's just down the road in Nelsonville. I'm really excited to see what he's going to be doing on the football field. Speaking of the football field, we're going to head down to South Beach after the break because there's some rumors coming out. Some news coming out that the Dolphins almost lured Tom Brady out of retirement to play for them next season and also become an owner. We'll be chatting about that one next. This is 97.1, the sportsman,
0: WATH.
1: Project Rise.
4: Visit Cincinnati and see for yourself why the Queen City is the birthplace of professional baseball. Catch a Reds game at Great
0: American Ballpark and be sure to explore the Reds Hall of Fame and Museum presented by Dinsmore.
4: Thanks to the HCS Foundation, kids 12 and younger receive free admission into the Hall of Fame where the whole family can enjoy interactive exhibits and thousands of artifacts from over 150 years of Reds baseball. For details and tickets, visit Reds.com.
3: Ohio Health presents the 10th annual Race for a Reason on April 23rd, the largest multi-charity based fundraising event in Southeast Ohio. Test your skills in the College of Health Sciences and Professions Triathlon with a 500-meter swim, 17K bike, and a 5K run. Don't like to swim? Do the duathlon: a 5K run, 17K bike, and 5K run. For more information and to register,
4: go to OhioRaceForAreason.org. The Ohio Health Race for a Reason. What's your reason?
3: DON'T LEAVE MONEY ON THE TABLE. FAFSA COULD HELP THE JOURNEY TO COLLEGE BE LESS OF A FINANCIAL BURDEN. WE ALSO HELP WITH FILLING OUT FAFSA SO IT'S LESS STRESSFUL FOR YOU. VISIT ITSFORYOU.ORG TO USE FREE RESOURCES TO GET FREE FEDERAL STUDENT FINANCIAL AID FOR COLLEGE. VISIT ITSFORYOU.ORG TO LEARN MORE. SPONSORED BY THE OHIO DEPARTMENT OF HIGHER EDUCATION. AIRED BY THE OHIO
0: ASSOCIATION OF BROADCASTERS AND THIS STATION. This is the Sports Fan on 970 WATH.
1: Welcome back. This is the Sports Fan on 97.1 WATH presented by JNK Contracting. I am Ross Christ with you for the last seven minutes. You can get in touch with me at Ross Talks on Twitter. Gentlemen, what, what's your call signs out there?
2: Medor underscore Joey is uh, that's my Twitter handle. Pretty easy to remember. 17 underscore Andrew underscore.
1: My next question, are either of these a good follow? Okay. I mean,
2: probably not. Probably, probably not. I'm gonna go okay. follow. Okay. I like I'm not extremely active, but when I do drop one, it's a good one for sure. Drop some truth. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Like uh for example, for the Super Bowl, they had a they had a Joe a Joe Cool graphic, and I think it was Joe Montana, Joe Burrow, and I can't think of the other Joe, maybe Joe Namath and Joe Flacco was left off the lifts. I had a pretty good tweet about that one. I like it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Wonderful. Just
2: came to me while at Stevens watching the Super Bowl
1: where all good things happen (laughs) gentlemen let's turn our attention to the nfl right now because some news coming out of tampa breaking report coming out today that said tom brady was considering coming out of retirement to possibly play and own minority ownership for the miami dolphins John Light, the general manager of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, said today, despite these reports coming out that him and Tom Brady are on good terms, he doesn't thought anything of it. But boy, I, I think it would be quite unique to still be in the league yeah. and playing yeah. for a team. It reminds me of the Pittsburgh Penguins and Mario Lemieux. But I, I don't think we've really seen this from the NFL
2: stage. You think this thing, would, this idea, could work? That would be cr- like. Uh, what, would, what would your day to day as an owner be? I mean, it, it probably wouldn't be much. You'd probably
3: own a minority sharehold. It's it, it's Stephen Ross. He's a Michigan man. Brady's a Michigan man. I, I'm willing to bet that that's probably what will what would have ended up happening. It just would have been like a, a small small stake. It, it would have gave him some probably. I mean, I would say it gave him some GM control, but. If Tom Brady says he wants a player, who's, who are they going to get? They're not going to not get him. <laughs> They're going to get him either way.
2: Well, I remember the rumor came out when they got Tariq Hill that maybe Brady would try to force a trade to Miami. Those were the rumors that were coming out at first, which, don't get me wrong, Tyreek Hill is a great wide receiver, but the, the Miami Dolphins receiver room is still not better than the weapons at his disposal in Tampa. I always thought it was a weird story coming out because I didn't I with all the upgrades its offense has made, one, unpro- unproven head coach this year, right, after they fired Brian Flores after two Whoa. winning seasons, by the way. Um, and then to leave Tampa Bay, who he's won a Super Bowl with. I don't know. I never thought the rumors hold, held that much merit, but obviously this story seems to make it painted out to be like Brady really considered making a move to Miami. Well, the original rumors
3: was that they were firing Flores. Because they were going to bring in Brady, and Brady wanted Payton, Sean Payton. Wow. At I, least that was something I read somewhere.
1: It says here, according to Pro Football Talk, reported that the Dolphins were prepared to announce Brady as minority owner and starting quarterback <laughs> one week before the Super Bowl this year. Simi- taking on a similar role to kind of what Derek Jeter um, was
2: doing so, for the Miami Marlins, except... Still playing football. Exactly. So he, but he was still under contract, right? So they would pretty much be raising their hands for Telling him I'm saying, we'll give you whatever you want for Tom Brady. Is that, is that what that's admitting at that point? Does
3: this also prove Brian Flores's
2: lawsuit?
1: I mean, the Dolphins as an organization, you, you, you scratch your head at some of the things that they do, but if he's still under contract and they're talking to him, um, you have, a, you have a bit of an issue right there exactly against the CBA. So yeah, that's interesting. We'll see where that one goes. Um, but another thing coming out of this, general manager for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers saying that him and Tom have not had any co- contract talks about his future mm-hmm. in Tampa Bay. So the question that starts out every year when Tom Brady comes back and he's playing in his 40s, I think he's 44, 45 I believe right he'll now, be
2: 45 when the season starts.
1: Do we see him playing again after the season ends?
2: I think this has to be it. I, no. I. Obviously, he played extremely well last year. Um, they had a rough playoff game, but boy, I don't know. I mean, what's his market going to be as a 45 year old free agent after this year?
3: Apparently, so high that they're willing to give him ownership
2: stakes, right? Well, I, I guess. I don't. That's great. It's crazy to think about, man. I mean, I'll I have to see this year play out. Obviously, you know, it kind of felt like that's not how he wanted to leave it pretty much getting crushed by the Rams, even though they did come back and make it a game at the end. Um, uh, tied it up at one point until Matt Stafford led the charge down the field, but it's a great game. Um, we'll see, man. It, it's interesting, but they still have a lot of weapons down there in Tampa. I, I really do think he has everything else. They have the good defense. They have the great receivers. Uh, Leonard Fournette's always great when, when playoff time rolls around. Playoff so, Lenny. Yeah, so, I mean, to if it would have been a head-scratching move for Brady. I feel like had he chosen Miami over anything else, because I don't think that's a better. If if it's still about winning Super Bowls, that's not a better situation than than the Buccaneers.
1: Agree, agree. Joey Medora, Andrew Allison. It's been a pleasure. We've done it. Sixty yep. minutes has come and gone. Thank Did, you for. Uh, you didn't crash. You didn't
2: crash the ship. So.
1: Well, that's all we have time for you today. The San Diego Padres play host. To your Cincinnati Reds tonight, first pitch will be at 9.40 p.m. If you want to tune into that one, tune into us at 97.1. We'll have the call. Staying up late. We'll be coming back to you tomorrow with some more live sport action at 6 o'clock. I am Ross Chris signing off on 97.1 WATH. Have a great night.